like to call this uh, Parks and Rec Commission meeting to order. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to the visitors that are here. So I'm grateful to have uh, a few in attendance. So uh, my name is Alex Heckman, uh, Chair of the Parks and Rec Commission. And, um, we, uh, before we go too much farther, I'd like to excuse Julie and Brad, who are out of town at this time, and recognize that Tyler uh, will be standing in as well, and grateful for his service uh, that way as well. We uh, will be changing up the agenda ever so slightly because a few commission members uh, will need to be leaving at 6. And so we're going to move items 7 and 8 uh, further up in the agenda um, following the approval of the February 8th minutes. So those will be items uh, 3 and 4. So apologize for the agenda that Can you take a motion and second and vote on that? To, uh, to uh, amend the agenda. Do I have a motion to amend the agenda? I'll second. Okay, thank you. Then all approved. All approved? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. All right, so moving to item number two. So the approval of the February 8th uh, minutes. So grateful to Gabe and all that he does in transcribing. Uh, there's a lot there. So do you have a motion to approve the minutes from February 8th? I'll second. Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. We'll now uh, address item now number three. Uh, consider a recommendation to remove Parks and Rec Commission member due to unexplained absences. So they're um, and closely following that, we'll follow up with uh, the election of the Commission Vice Chair. So there's a few individuals uh, who have, and according to the bylaws, have missed a number of meetings and as we were impacted last uh, month as well not being able to get quorum so um, it is proposed or we have the opportunity to um, recommend uh, the removal of those commission members and uh, in place and recommend uh, that you be replaced at this point uh, I know that they're continuing uh, to keep applications uh, for individuals that way but so do we have a recommendation to remove uh, the two individuals? I think that were there two, just, just one, just one. Just one. Okay. Yeah. I recommend removal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All in favor of removal of Boniface as a commission member, according to the bylaws as stated. That have we tried to reach out or yes. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I think the last time he came was last March, so um, it's been a little bit. All right, so uh, we had a motion by Connie, seconded by Ms. E. Um, all in favor to Boniface and raise it. Any votes? Then the second item, uh, or item number four, excuse me, is the election of the commission vice chair. So Chris, I'd like to extend a uh, heartfelt thanks for his service and all that he did on the commission for the past little while. I'm grateful for uh, the insight that he brought as well as uh, yeah, just the support that he offered. Uh, due to his professional career, will be out of state uh, for a number of months as he um, will be teaching out of state. For, and so he has submitted his reg resignation as a member of the commission as also as vice chair. 
So to, at this time, I want to know if there are any recommendations for the vice chair from the commission members that are present. Does anybody have a desire to serve as a vice chair? Or to nominate someone else? What are the duties of the vice chair? Um, to, uh, in my stead, to kind of run kind of the meetings uh, this way. And so I am one of the members who will have to leave at six tonight. So whoever <laughs> is uh, willing uh, to serve as vice chair would then kind of close out the meeting uh, that way. Um, and other duties are fairly light. So there might be a few times when there's been a couple of email communications, uh, just in contact with Julie uh, that way, um, sometimes, but fairly light from a time commitment standpoint. We're always here to help guide throughout the meetings. Does that person automatically roll into like the chairperson then, or is that? No, okay. doesn't have to. So um, I think, yeah, if they have a desire, <laughs> so, but it hasn't been the case. So I wasn't vice chair. So, at all. I mean, I'll do it. Okay. I think you can agree at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I already my first endorsement. <laughs> so, Connie, so, do we have a motion? I'm going to that Connie Moore. Okay. That's vice chair. All right. Is there a second? Second. All in favor say aye. Aye. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I'll do my very best. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> and, yeah, we'll give it a plenty of uh, time as well. well. Really? So. You gotta get crack black and stuff. I'm doing it in the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> appreciate your willingness to serve, Connie. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, with that, we'll move to the next item on the agenda uh, of public comment for any items not on the agenda. So, uh, yes, if you want to come forward and state your name as well. Oh, I'm Sue Crawford. Um, so I'm Sue Crowthrow and I've been a City Park pool user since 1979. And I, I'd like to make it clear that while I love the pool as it is, I also welcome updates to the tub design and to surrounding structures. This is why I'm here. I recently ran across a series of podcasts called What's Happening, created by local developer Gary Watts. And on April 4th, Gary interviewed Jeff Bruin. Gary, who swims at City Park, called the pool a gem. And in response, Fruin calls the pool, quote, truly a unique gem here in Iowa City. He goes on to talk about its age and issues, and then he says, we'll be moving into a design phase because we anticipate the reconstruction of that pool in 2025. We need to find a balance between preserving that unique character while also making sure that we're welcoming all types of swimmers and, and all types of users of different abilities. Right now, the pool is really fantastic if you are a lap swimmer. For people just beginning, just becoming swimmers, that pool is not as welcoming. We'll be going through a design process here probably in the next year. So I have two concerns about this. First is that Fruin has skipped over the first four steps in the city's own process spelled out in the RFQ. Those steps are to review data, evaluate the current conditions of the facility, prepare a report of current conditions, and present the report to city council, letting council decide whether to renovate or rebuild. 
This makes me wonder whether city staff views the process laid out in the RFQ as simply words on paper or truly a process created to find the best outdoor pool for this community. My second concern is that both Jeff and Julie are pushing this narrative that City Park Pool isn't welcoming and pitting lap swimmers against other users. While certainly the entrance and bathhouse have issues, the city's own data does not support the claim that the pool itself isn't welcoming, and I for one reject that narrative. What a shame that your claims, their claims, aren't data-driven. It makes the entire process feel disingenuous. City Park Pool is a gem, and part of the reason is that the design allows so many groups of users, including non-swimmers, to happily coexist. As we move forward in the uh, repair or replace process, I'd love to see city staff working with the community to arrive at a solution that works for all of us, and maybe stop promoting false narratives that only serve to cause distrust and dis division. Thank you, Sue. No clock. <laughs> I didn't know if finding my yeah. was going to go against It was 2.28. So. <laughs> as long as you don't try to filibuster or anything, I think we'll be okay. Let me see, I have all these pages. <laughs> Just one. First of all, to the commission, you know, thank you for serving. Could we get your name as well? Oh, yeah, sorry, I, I always miss that. Yeah. Jerry Brothel, um, and I live in Iowa City, and I'm also a City Park Pool uh, fan. So, um, but anyway, thank you guys for, for serving. Um, I saw that there were some open positions, and, and you know, the good thing to do would be to volunteer, right? <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> but I do thank you for doing that because it's a big deal, and, and I know. Um, so I do want to talk about City Park Pool, and I, I, I hear a lot about it being intimidating, and um, and lap swimming can be intimidating, and I have to say, um, I'm an accomplished, strong swimmer, and even I'm intimidated at City Park Pool, so recognize that. But let's also recognize that this is lap swim hours, right? That I'm talking about. I'm there when it's 50 meter lap swim, and there's a few things to to realize about that. It, it, it can get crowded. Um, it's which is wonderful. <laughs> there's a lot of people going, two to three people per lane. And if you're a swimmer, I don't know if you are or not. Two to three people in a lane is a lot of people swimming in a pool. It's 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 pretty chaotic. Um, uh, I did want to recognize the city for one thing, not just be complaining, and I know it takes away from my time, but um, the expanded morning hours for lap swimming, thumbs up, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I don't need more sun, uh, but I still do the noon hour. Um, the other thing to remember about City Park Pool is there's no ropes. So when you think about, and you hear from people that it's intimidating, yes, a lot of people in the pool swim in laps, it gets wavy and it gets intimidating. It, it does. Um, the other thing is there are no instructions about how to swim there. We do circle swimming. There's no deck instructions and staff don't do anything to do that. Swimmers do though. We teach our 
people that come were very welcoming. We welcome them into our lanes. I teach them how to circle swim. And you know what? I even gain a, a friend or two out of that, or at least an acquaintance. So, um, so but everything I've just said isn't, isn't a pool design issue. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not about a pool design. It's about programming. And, and, and so, um, uh, how am I doing on time? 2.37. Excellent. So I can relax. <laughs> That's no. no, you have 20 seconds. Yeah. yeah. to say is that I just wanted, when you hear people say that City Park Pool isn't welcoming or it's intimidating, yeah, and sometimes it is, but that's by design. It's, it's 15 meter lap swimming and it's challenging as it should be. So that's all I have. Um, I do have a handout. We have a group that we um, are forming. Can I, can I give that to, to you guys? Yeah, if I you made eight copies and it's yeah. probably not enough. But if you could just also email that in, so that way it gets in part okay. of the packet, it's also just beneficial for us. Okay. That way. okay. To, if, if you get the agenda, my email, get Gotera, it's on the bottom of it. Excellent. Yeah. So it's Back to the Future. Um, it's a group that's formed. Um, it, it's growing fast. And we, we want to engage in a positive way with the community, not, not always be complaining. So, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being here uh, to both of you. All right. Now I'll have the wonderful opportunity to hear from Megan. So, thank you so much for being here for all that you do for the city as well. Thank you. Um, hi there. My name is Megan Alter, and I'm on city council. I serve as mayor pro tem. So, basically, uh, it's a lot like being the vice chair when the mayor's available. I'm on the meeting instead. Um, so, I am here to kind of fast walk through our strategic plan, which we're really, really excited about, and which, um, in very recent uh, memory of meetings, um, we talk about the budget, but this was something that, um, in fact, all of staff, all of the departments, are um, sort of using as a, a touchstone for prioritization and what do we as a city spend our money on and what are the needs within each department um, and using that as sort of a reference point. So um, one of the things that we came up with was to actually have each one of us come to commissions and kind of do this walkthrough so that you as a commission also get a sense of things that might be directly um, related to the type of work that you do on this commission and let me also echo what they said that thank you very much for serving um you know it's in a climate that it's increasingly tough to to do public service it's immensely awesome that you're doing this I'm paraphrasing bruce who says you know awesome and amazing <laughs> it's immensely awesome so anyway i'm going to look at the time here i'm going to try and get to about 25 minutes we'll see if i all right, so anyway, this is the City of Iowa City Strategic Plan, and here's the overview. Um, this is just gonna walk you through where we're at so that you can start looking at the time and going apart with there yet. Um, an introduction of an environmental scan, which is kind of like, where are we at right now in the city and even broader culturally? What's, what's going on that um, is kind of contributing to some of the ways in which we, we think about the strategic plan? Uh, then we move into our strategic values, which more broadly is what are our city's values? What do we want to reflect in our actions? 
what does that say about us? And that was, honestly, that was sort of like the core of where we began when we started doing the strategic plan, was to talk about where, what are our values as a city. Then I'll walk you through the impact areas and action steps, which some of those are going to be less, um, I will not say significant, but directly tied to the work that you're doing. I may skip over a few or simply have a comment here and there. Um, however, I think that if you're interested in seeing this deck in a little bit fuller form, um, you can ask and, and I can make sure that it's available to you guys and you can look at some of what the actual action items are under some of these categories that I'm not really going to cover today. And then resources, and then how do we get it done? So with that, I'll move on. I need to point out at my own computer but at the screen. Um, do my backup. Yeah, sorry. Challenges and opportunities. This is the environmental scan. So um, one of the most significant ones, in fact, is the fact that on a local level, at city, town, et cetera, county level, there is less and less of what's known as home rule or um, the independence to make our own decisions about what's best for our own city. That is, it's not a political statement, it is simply a statement of fact. The state legislature increasingly over the years has taken away more control from local rule and made decisions. And so we have to sort of work within those confines. Um, additionally, as we're looking at the next couple of years in terms of our budget and what we can spend money on, um, it, our budget is going down due to some um, state property tax reforms that have been put into place already. Um, I'm happy to talk about those further, but just know that they exist for purposes of my discussion now, which has kind of created a, a, a definite and rather precipitous um, slope down in terms of um, our revenue. We have higher expectations from the public, which is absolutely <coughs> awesome. Yet we have a diminishing trust in local government, which you know I, I think you go anywhere that's going to be the case. And so um, we certainly want to combat that full-throatedly um, and work with the community, but oftentimes um, it's a difficult thing. Um, there are, again, simply factually, persistent racial and income inequity challenges. Um, this is something that we is always going to be a work in progress. Um, I don't think we'll ever hit like we're there. It means we always can do better, but I'm grateful for the work that we've done um, to embed that into so many of these things that I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, workforce attraction needs and staff recruitment and capacity challenges. It's a huge bucket, but yes, all of those things exist. We need to attract workforce locally as well as county, as well as state. Um, and we need to um, get people here to work because no matter how motivated, um, and I'll speak specifically to about city staff, um, no matter how motivated staff is, it, the, you have to, to pile things on top of your plate rather than make the plate bigger or have somebody else say, hey, let me help you lift, right? It's just, it's a reality. People are having to do more with less, and especially in terms of capacity. So obviously I'm focusing, there's a lot of challenges. Um, we have continued COVID impacts, general inflation and economic pressures, um, climate change is an increasing and real thing, and uh, increasing severe weather events that we have to combat. Um, near the end of the slide deck, there's things like, what does our strategic plan not cover? This is one of them. Em emergent or emerging and emerging.
emergency situations that are not planned for. Weather is one of them. Um, that takes time, money, and, and resourcing to act as quickly as possible. Regional population growth and more demand for services. This, too, is something where Iowa City, we just had the census come out a couple years ago, and it has grown, and that's fantastic. We want people to live here. Um, but it also means that, um, in a weird way, because, because we are attractive and because we are welcoming, um, that means more, with more people coming, there's more demand for services. And um, sometimes, again, it goes in a loop where there's more need for capacity and more need for resources. Um, as you all are significantly aware, um, we have outdated facilities that are in need of remodel and replacement. And then on the end, I feel like there was this huge list of challenges, but we do have one really awesome thing, um, is that there's a significant influx of federal funding opportunities albeit from, from some cruddy circumstances. So that's kind of the backdrop. That's the environmental scan. So what is it that um, a strategic plan is? It, it's, the strategic plan can be visualized as a map. We have our values that are sort of the thing that kick everything off. And then we think about how is our strategy going to impact the community? And then what do we need to do now? Right? So it goes from core values to vision and outcome to then how do we get it done. So our values, and I'm going to let you just kind of glance over that, but it's racial equity, social justice, and human rights. Um, it is specifically and explicitly called out um, climate action, partnerships, and engagement. All three of these categories can hold a lot of specifics, and we intentionally have done that. So, a couple of these, I love that they mimicked all the sticky notes. We were over at the recycling center, way over on the southeast side of town, and like all the glass panes had like big sticky notes, and little sticky notes, and now they've created that. So, it's not enough just to say we care a lot, right? What is it? How do we know if we've done this right? How do we know? Um, and so our outcomes are that we want the community to celebrate and welcome culture, cultural diversity, that we acknowledge and commemorate accurate historical cultural perspectives, that every resident understands how systemic inequities have disadvantaged some populations, and that we have the skills to disrupt bias. See something, say something. Do something. That systemic barriers and policies, programs, and services are proactively addressed. And I think that it's really important to call that out because it's not even a matter of see if there are. It's taking that as for granted that there are systemic issues. And so we need to address them. And I think that's one that uh, we feel very, very strongly about. We build partnerships that facilitate equal access and opportunity. We have community decision makers reflecting the diversity of the community and that equity, inclusion, and belonging is clearly identifiable in all city operations and activities. And that last one, I would just say that it's the difference between having a checklist. It's great to have a checklist for an update, but it really is about the, the decisions that we make, that staff makes, that community members make, um, and make their voices known. It's the inflection is um, your embedding awareness about um, racial equity, social justice, and human rights. Like, what is the best for all? And who are we leaving out? And how do we make it better? So, um, I think that that's really important. Um, how do we know if we've achieved our vision for climate action? Um, is this 
helpful for me to read it out loud? Is it too small? Otherwise, I can let you guys just read it. I feel a little bit like a teacher who's like, I could borrow the Oh, okay. I guess I no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll take it where I can get it. But you can always have my own. She, 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 she got a few seconds left. <laughs> she did. She did. It's all good. Um, well, things like we want the world to look to Iowa. We really want to be modeling the way. The Iowa City um, is modeling the way so that others will copy our innovative carbon reduction strategies that we have net zero greenhouse gas emissions achieved across all sectors. Um, and just as a side note, actually buildings are going to be the next big frontier, I think. Um, they're the largest contributors to um, greenhouse gas emissions, and so we need to think about how we can partner with builders to make that better, and so that it doesn't feel like punishment. So, at any rate, um, every household is prepared for extreme heat, cold, and weather that's caused by climate change. And I would just add that this actually circles back to talking about social and racial Environmental justice is huge and it, uh, it's something where this impacts, this is what I mean when I say every decision has to be embedded through a lens of how do we make this better for more people and who has been left out. And economically, um, people who are marginalized or are so-called minorities, even though that's not the right term, um, are the ones who actually are hardest pressed and impacted by climate change. So, um, biodiverse environment is found throughout our community. Our children's water, air, and soil quality is better than it was for us. That's one where we need to keep pounding the table to the state, as well as you know the county is doing what it can. But it's one of those. It's a ripple effect. We can do what we can, but sometimes it's it's limited by larger forces. Residents choose to take climate action, such as riding the bus. Promise we're getting on transportation for <laughs> um, Shopping locally and conserving energy, and that health, safety, and sense of community are improved for all. How do we know if we've achieved our vision for partnerships and engagement? The public believes opportunities for public input are worthwhile and sincere. And I think that this is actually a perfect, you know, the, what is it, not test tube, but you know, little, Petri dish, litmus, right? Litmus, litmus it's a perfect litmus test. Thank you, Vice Chair. Exactly. But no, but that's exactly it. And I know it's it has been frustrating and it's challenging and there's distrust on both sides. Or oh, are you listening to me? You're not listening to me, right? I promise you, we want to get there with you. And I and I don't mean it as a bromide. There's still going to be a lot of conversations, and we expect that, but we. This is an outcome that we want, is for the community to have some trust and to continue, not to just turn off and say, oh, they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do, right? So we need we need that mutual commitment. Now, is it okay if I take photos? And I oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, this thanks. is public. So public dialogue is respectful. Decision-making is transparent. Every resident is routinely reached by the city in a way that aligns with the preferred method of communication. Our website has gotten better. Neighborhoods are a source of grassroots community building and prosperity. Community stakeholders trust and openly communicate with the city. I covered that. Public-private partnerships are common and a natural component of every solution, and that's a big one, that, that the city really needs to reach out and try to see the what's in it for you for private entities so that this can be a win-win. 
not just a, oh, it's just a good thing to do. It's like we have to understand where different stakeholders' perspectives are, and especially in the private sector, how is, this, how is doing what we want going to also help them? Okay, I promise I'm going to speed up. Except I'm not, because I want you guys. <laughs> um, I was so much fun as a teacher. <laughs> anyway, um, what are some examples of how you can carry out these values on this board, right? And commission. I, I think, again, there are some examples that come readily to mind, but um, you know, it might be something where you, know, you have a work session and you're able to sort of hash out this. Um, but if something leads to mind, I'm more than welcome to shout it out. Or it's just a good food for thought question. So anyway, I think the question here is just something to, to noodle on, to use Jenny Banta's phrase. She's the president of the United Way, and she has a great phrase where it's like, yeah, I don't feel like it's a test question, so she just noodle on it. So let me move on to the impact areas, and this is actually where I will speed up just a little. Um, but the different areas, we put them into categories, and they were neighborhoods and housing, mobility, economy, safety and well-being. And believe it or not, there are ways in which your commission actually ties in with all four of these. It truly does. I'm not really going to talk all that much about neighborhood and housing other than to say that if you stop and think about neighborhoods in a, you know, in a citywide sense, um, it's a good thing to have trails nearby, to have parks nearby, to have recreation areas nearby. Um, that, that lends to a sense of vibrancy for each neighborhood. Um, so that's one of the ways in which the work that you do already ties in. Mobility, um, so mobility is another, it mainly deals with transportation, but again, um, thinking about how we can improve our um, bicycling trails, so that, you know, I know actually for some folks it's using those trails actually to get from one place to another. It's not just to go take a nice ride, right? So if we can foster that so that people think of that more often and use them more often, then um, we're working then on some of our, um, our footprint um, climate action laws. The economy, we're destination attraction in Iowa. If we have a vibrant parks, rec, and, and programming, you know, this is a place where people want to come because they have these options available to them and when you have more people coming they can contribute to the local economy, right? And then safety and well-being really is where I'll kind of pause um, and talk a little bit more because this is where I think the bulk of the work that you're doing, at least especially as it was designated out um, in staff's plans, um, come, come to be. But let me get myself synced up here. Um, so I think this is really just a summary. The vision is the why. You know, what do we want to do? What is aspirational? And actually, all of those little quote-unquote post-it cards, post-it notes, were kind of like those vision statements. That's our outcome, but you know, they didn't lock it down to say, and Benton Street is going to be like this. You know, it it really is trying to say what is what's the sense of being in the city. Um, so long-term and aspirational. Why, why are we doing this? Because we want everyone to feel like the strategy is the what. It's long-term and guiding. It provides the general direction for the implementation of core services and strategic action items. Um, and you'll see a little bit of that 
coming up, and then the actionable steps are the how. They're immediate and actionable. Um, you know, it's, it's your agenda items, right? Just writ a little bit larger. Um, they highlight the pressing high-impact items, which will receive discretionary resources and require partnerships and collaboration to execute by a specific timeline. Regardless of what happens with City Pool Park, that's one of them, right? That's the how. Okay. Um, so, right, like I said, I'm going to skip through some of these, but um, I can make this deck available if you want to know kind of what these visions are specifically. Um, in mobility, as I mentioned, cho commuters choosing to walk, bike, or bus at least half the time. Um, and if you have highly traveled corridors with separate trails or comfortable safe lanes for bicyclists. And I think that this increasingly, the work of different commissions will somewhat overlap um, in terms of the work that you do. Um, economy, I mentioned that as well. Um, and safety and well-being. So our city supports mental and physical well-being of our community members. Public safety response, whether from city or nonprofit par partner, is nuanced depending on the specific needs of the situation. And that's a very specific understanding of what public safety is. Um, community members will receive emergency response services promptly, welcome responders as problem solvers, inviting spaces for social interaction, exercise and regeneration are equitably located throughout the community and are lively with activity and use. And I think that that sentence right there, that's you guys. I mean, this is, that's like such a primary part of the work that you do. And to recognize it is, this is not a nice to have, this is like vital for a good community. And it is vital for mental health, and it is vital for physical health, and um, all of it. So, um, it also has to do with the, the facilities that we have. It's safe, healthy indoor spaces and are well prepared for climate related changes. So um, that's why I've sort of, in looking through the deck in a little more detail, I was like, this really is kind of the home of how Parks and Rec kind of aligns to um, these different buckets. Better than that and get rid of it. So, anyway, 
Um, for people, let's establish the city as an employer of choice. Let's build a diverse talent pipeline, and this includes staff and boards and commissions, for what it's worth. Before I was on city council, I served on the Housing and Community Development Commission for a term and a half. Um, and I, it, just, it was a tremendous way for me to understand more, get more involved, and, and then say, hmm, I, I think once a month isn't enough, right? And so anyway, um, but it is. It's, it's, this op is an opportunity to get involved in, in different ways, perhaps. And enhance engagement, welcoming, and inclusion. Then finally, financially, we want to grow the tax base, diversify revenue sources, and leverage outside funding, maintain healthy reserves, and prudent debt strategy, which um, one thing that our city does very well is overdose. So our alignment is, there's, when COVID occurred, there are a number of galvanizing groups that got together to say, we need to think. We're, in, we're literally stuck in a pause but we're going to be optimistic and say, we're not stuck here forever, so what do we do? What are, where do we want to go? And to do it deliberately with a lot of forethought. And so these different groups got together, Better Together 2030, All In Vision, which has multiple it's municipalities, it's uh, the university, it's individuals, it's some community groups, to say, what are these different facets of how in 10, seven years, sorry, can we make this place better together. University of Iowa has a strategic plan. ECI COG, the Envision East Central Iowa plan, also is a range of municipalities. Um, and then the Department of Division master plans. Um, none of these things are blueprints. They are that they're maps. There's different ways to get to your end, but we definitely, in looking at our own strategic plan and in crafting it, realized that we were overlapping and had shared common interests with uh, these other groups. And so we have now essentially some ready-made partners and experts because you know not everybody um, is serving on all of the boards, all of these commissions. Um, and so we can gather different ideas and different insights from one another while trying to work towards some common goals. So what's not on a strategic plan? Um, like I said, 99% of, well, I didn't say that, but 99% of our everyday work. Uh, but the unexpected challenges, yeah, I think the media are coming down with you more. Um, timely opportunities, uh, the ARPA funds. That's a perfect example. This was not something that we expected, but it was this major windfall of 18, I wouldn't say windfall because we needed it desperately, but it's $18.3 million that we were able to channel into different segments of how we can help the community based on feedback from the community and then being able to push it back out. Um, and we're now working through some of the non-emergency fund um, parts of the ARPA, but they're still going to be implemented in the next couple of years because it needs to be done in, by 2025. Um, but timely opportunities, anytime there's money, that's a timely opportunity. <laughs> Um, and then major ongoing projects, and I would say that our um, CIP, our capital, oh my God, it? thank you, capital improvement plans. Um, those are you know, making our roads better, making the buildings better, um, the parks and rec, all of the parks that are getting um, renovated is the right word, is it? 
Yes, okay. sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the parks that are getting refreshed and renovated, that's part of the capital improvement plan. So you guys are also kind of part of that, but the thing is, is that by having that kind of swim lane, sorry, um, in which you're working, even though it's not on the strategic plan, if you look back to what does a safe um, and safety and well-being look for, like for the community, it's having these places to be able to go to. So, questions? And that was the last slide, so I can breathe now. <laughs> anyway, but that's sort of another visualization of here are our values in the center and then what are the different impact areas. And like I say, um, actually that website right there will take you to the strategic plan, which is fairly lengthy, um, but it, if, it's fascinating as far as I'm concerned because it really does say that what shape will the city be taking and it's in the next five years, uh, which is a little bit different. Um, councils previous to my getting on board, or councils previous to me, did their uh, strategic planning in two-year increments, which, to be honest, that's almost more like an implementation plan. Like, two years doesn't give you a whole long runway to have much vision to say, how do we get there? And, and do we have the time to get there, right? Um, and, and government and big projects necessarily take some time. So it was nice to be able to stretch this out a little bit to five years. Um, so that's just that's my last bit of explanation. And um, yeah, you can go see that for yourself. And I will um, work with Jeffrey and just to double check, but I, I'm pretty sure that this can be provided out. And I'll make sure that it can be emailed to you guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? Where is this at in the process? The strategic plan is it is it approved and finalized? Yes. And now we, it's just being shared yep. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we approved it. Ooh, I want to say February. Maybe no. I'm sorry, December. Um, yeah. So. It is finalized, and so this is this is the document that you can hold us to. Megan, as far as like the ARPA funding goes, like um, there are some great projects that are being funded by that. But like, do you anticipate, or have you guys discussed, like once that money is gone, if there are projects that have risen to the top that are sustainable, that or how would you sustain those projects that have, are currently funded by? And maybe it's just a parks Well, in general, I think that if you look at some of the commitments that we have in the strategic plan. For instance, actually, um, right now, there are applications being taken in for um, underestimated business entrepreneurs and small business people, uh, folks. Um, and it's being funded with $4 million of ARPA that's to do essentially like a brick and mortar type of project, but then with some money for programming as well. And then that's actually, it's, it's flexible. If a project comes in, it's, reversed, the money can go that way. But the idea is that this isn't a one and done. It's, we're looking, A, for projects that can be sustainable in their own right, but then I think that there is an awareness that, uh, that, that we have to be able to support the projects that are funded through ARPA. It, it may not be all of them. Some of them are end capped, like um, we provided direct payment checks to um, workers who were not covered by during the, the previous administration. That was a, a here's how much we will do, 
It ended up being more than we anticipated, and that's good. We got the money to the people who needed to, but it was an end product. If it's something that's more, um, there's a couple of things on the table. You see, may or may not be aware of the $750,000 wage enhancement program to childcare providers, for instance. She might well familiar. <laughs> yeah. So at any rate, um, we're going to be having discussions about how that might be able to, to be more sustaining. And is it that the city will necessarily be putting in that much money all the time? No. Um, but the city is committed to say, well, we'll match per employee, and we might be able to, you know, I don't know, the uh, community foundation who I think is, is putting that out there, um, they're going to be looking probably for some dollars to invest um, so, so that that fund can grow. So. How, um, how does the plan come to life? Like, do you, is there like, um, you know, year one goals, year two goals? Mm -hmm. Is there like, you know, as decisions come to the city council, will there be like, you know, this decision meets the strategic plan by X, Y, and Z? Or like, how, how do you sort of hold it's yourself not, accountable to the strategic plan? It's not quite as much like a rubric, but that is the trick. And that's the thing that um, Jeff has said very patiently, but I'm sure with a lot of like, here we go again, is that in time, it's very hard to get council to stick to the strategic plan because there's, we're, we're hearing from constituents and that's important and we might see that there's an emerging need, something crops up. And so we're gonna be like, I know we talked about this, but we're gonna now focus, we're gonna redirect some dollars this way. But the idea that this council has, at least from the time that we're all on it, is that we do use the strategic plan as a prioritization and as a guide. Because in the full document, there is, we worked out both in terms of saying, I mean, if we had our way, everything would be done all in the first year. But Jeff and staff were also really good about saying, okay, that's gonna be a really heavy lift for us. And we've got this. So which one, you know, we have to make hard decisions on that. But we did actually sort of walk it out over the five years and to say, okay, well, before we do this, we need to do this. And so we have sorted our priorities and, and under each one of these impact areas, there are, um, and I have the slides hidden, but there are specific goals. Like we're gonna do, we wanna do this, we wanna do this, this, and then there's a years attached as to when they'll be addressed. So it might be that we have to kind of play council poker or be like, all right, how, how much do you really want that roadway done, right? Because it's not slated until 26, but you're suggesting it for next year. What comes off the plate for next year? You also wanted this done, which one's more, you know? So those are the kind of conversations that we need to have. Um, but I think that we have found this actually to be very helpful already in terms of looking at even more granular decisions about, um, I'm losing the example right now, but there was something about housing. And I said, well, one of the things that is a priority in our strategic plan is, honestly, is that we're going to value density. And so, yes, taller buildings in some areas for developers, so that we don't have this kind of sprawl, which creates more roadways, which is bad for carbon emissions, you know, and so, this actually fits in our strategic plan, even if aesthetically it's not exactly what we're used to, right? So we have those kinds of conversations. Um, 
And at least for some of us, that's been a, a useful tool to have so that it's not just like, oh, you just don't like tall buildings, right? <laughs> it's like, no, but it's all in strategic plan, right? So, and, and equally, others can say, right, but road diets are on, that's on the strategic plan. We need to work so that we can actually build a much more robust um, cycling community so that this can be actually something that people use for transport, not just for recreation. So, yeah, sorry, I talked. And one thing to that, so that 99% of other daily things that are happening, this has been shared with all staff, we've all been trained on it. Um, so we really, at least uh, the staff I know and from my perspective, appreciate it as a roadmap because we have a lot of decisions daily that we run through this lens of the strategic plan. Um, so I think that's kind of the, um, in, in my mind, that's one of the most important things that comes out of it. Yeah, and, and incredibly intentional because then, we, in having that discussion with staff and with Jeff and Redmond and Rachel and others and the, the heads of the departments were saying, like, here's the deal. When you decide if that's really important, here's what, what that does, what the impact to the departments and to the people, right? They have been working assiduously to do this, that, and the other, and now all of a sudden you're yanking the rug up. He's very diplomatic about it, but it's the, it's, it's the reality, right? And it really throws a wrench in the world. So this is a really good touchstone for all of us, but I think this is maybe the first time that it's sunk in. It's not fair to say because I haven't been on previous councils, but I do know that we got a gentle warning that um, if we say we're going to stick to the strategic plan, other councils have said that too. <laughs> so. Listen, I have taken up a ton of your time, but please, um, megan-alter at iowacity.org, please reach out. Okay coffee, answer questions, you guys have to go. I, I talk so much. I appreciate the time that you're here and all that you do for the city. Thank so. you, and I'm so excited. I'm like, our daughters are friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know you were on this. So yeah, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, the next item, so as far as the recreation division goals. How's everybody doing? Doing well? Um, my name is Matt Iver, for those who do not know me. Um, I've been with the city, I've been with the city for uh, 23 years. Uh, last couple of years I've been as the Assistant Superintendent of Recreation. Um, I, I know this isn't your packet, but I figured instead of you guys looking at it, I will just uh, hand it out. I will kind of go at a faster pace because I know some people are leaving at six. But if you have more questions about this, I will stay later. You can email me, you can talk to Brad. Um, so this recreation division goal setting and performance measurement plan stems from the 2022 recreation master plan. Through the master plan, we receive vital feedback and information from stakeholders, community members, and staff regarding current and future programs. We also receive information um, regarding barriers that may prevent people from participating in our programs. Um, over the past three or four months, the recreational staff has used this feedback and information to create the framework for this plan by establishing five different strategical themes. Um, within these five strategical themes, staff came up with uh, measurable goals. So on page two, you can kind of see a general introduction, kind of what I just kind of talked about. Um, you can also see why are you doing the measurable goals. Uh, by doing measurable goals, you can actually see if you're accomplishing those goals. So it kind of keeps us on task. It makes us make sure we're held accountable, transparency, 
So as far as the uh, strategical themes, uh, the first one we came up with for a strategical theme is community connections, which basically connects uh, new audiences and enhance public awareness of the department's programs, facilities, and amenities. Uh, a couple of those goals would be to utilize translation through staff, technology to provide welcoming facilities and programs. Um, another goal is to provide equitable service to information, access to information through various channels that engage the community. Um, on page four, uh, our second uh, strategic goal theme would be recreational programming, uh, engage with the community through programming activities and events that are intentional, designed to best align with their needs. Um, the goal would be consistently deliver high quality programs and services, uh, grow participation in the and access to learn to swim programs, develop educational and skill development programming that focuses on outdoor education, bike safety, and STEAM, provide adults program opportunities and equipment that promotes active living, life, long fitness, and healthy lifestyles. Um, and then one other goal for that would be to provide positive experience and recreational programs and services. Uh, the third strategic theme would be diversity, equity, and inclusion. That would be promote community well-being through facilities, programs, and services that instill a sense of belonging, inclusion, and are accessible to all. Um, the goals would be provide ongoing training, increase employability, and applying equity best practices. Deliver recreation experiences that are accessible to various neighborhoods to reduce the need for transportation. Um, third goal would be to ensure that needs-based financial support for programs and services is readily available, promoted, and utilized. And then on the last page, we have uh, fourth uh, theme, which is partnership and outreach, uh, which is basically strengthen community relations and partnerships. Strength goal would be strengthen outreach and engagement relationships with community-based organizations. Um, and then our fifth strategic uh, theme would be team development, which is basically uh, maintaining a high-performing, well-trained, cross-capable individual team. Uh, the goal would be to ensure that staff have the opportunity to learn through continued education and training. I know I went through that relatively quick. Um, I would be able to backtrack on any of the, the measurable goals that you guys have questions on, or if you want me to elaborate on anything else. Like I said, this was, this was all done through uh, the input that we received from the master plan. Um, it's basically a framework of what we want to accomplish in the next 10 years. Um, so by doing those measurable goals, it's transparent what we're doing, what we want. So. One question I guess I did have, so I very much appreciate it. Use a lot of data, so yeah, really is, and I talk really fast. Yeah, so. so, no, really appreciate it. But one of the questions I did have is, are there opportunities for kind of reporting back? So, yes. as well on how so, so we're going to be tracking on this. Yes, we will be giving like uh, reports and stuff to commission, uh, city council. We'll do that once a year. Um, of course, if you want like our seasonal accomplishments, we're going to be like that. We can do that, but we do plan to do it. So, yeah. yeah. There's a quote that I like. When performance is measured, performance improves. Yes. Performance is reported back the rate of the acceleration. It's pretty hard so. coming up with all the measure goals. There's a lot of data that we had to get from past programs and stuff. So yep. it took a while to get all that out. But. Appreciate it.
Do you think we think it's going to work and hold it? I, I I know I've been here 23 years, and Joyce Carroll's been here 43 years, and we've never really had a document like that. So we are so excited that this is this is here. So thank you so very much. Any other questions? Like I said, if you have questions, I will stay later. So just where's pickleball on here? Hi, this is Eric Warnig with Hitchcock Design Group. I'm here to give you a, an update presentation on our work at Mercer Park and City Park. So with that, I'll get right into it. We want to look at our existing conditions first. Uh, so uh, an aerial photograph here at Mercer Park, uh, where we have three existing tennis courts, eight existing pickleball, uh, the high school ball field, of course, um, and then uh, three uh, smaller baseball fields. The numbers there represent the base path dimensions and the center field fence dimensions, uh, as well as a restroom and concession uh, building uh, right here. A few photographs uh, of the existing conditions. Picked uh, some extra rainy days uh, for these photographs. Uh, but um, in general, um, some aging infrastructure uh, and some accessibility challenges uh, that we hope to address with this plan. We also took a look at City Park, a little simpler with six tennis courts and a half court basketball here. You can see uh, aging conditions as well with the fence and uh, cracking in the uh, pavement uh, as well as uh, the access ways up to it are a little bit challenged uh, with drainage and grading and uh, just general spatial dimensions. We met with uh, two 
major stakeholder groups. Uh, one was the pickleball uh, slash tennis group, and another was baseball, and uh, also represented kind of the, the school uh, system. And what we heard uh, from the uh, pickleballers uh, is that they, they wanted individual courts with spectator aisles as opposed to shared banks. Uh, you'll see what that means here in a little bit. Uh, they're hoping for as much shade as possible. Uh, windscreen's important to pickleball in particular, but, but tennis as well. Uh, they'd like some seating. Um, they hope to be able to uh, have as many people join the sports as possible. Uh, and so kind of the more the better was their motto. Uh, and they thought that tennis was still valuable at Mercer Park, but maybe not all three. Uh, and so two tennis courts they uh, recommended. They also tend to be uh, tennis players as well. Um, and then the baseball group uh, for them, uh, the most important uh, things were lighting, uh, particularly on field one uh, in uh, grading and drainage, uh, some safety concerns uh, with ball control in the spectator areas. So looking at opportunities to um, protect those. Uh, they did want to preserve a memorial space uh, for uh, a coach who has passed away. Uh, and then they're on the same track uh, with the more the more the better, uh, particularly U10 to U14 fields within the community to help sustain and grow uh, baseball as a sport in your, uh, in your area. And with uh, the high school campus, they do not intend to use tennis. Uh, so maybe a uh, lesser need for tennis at Mercer Park. So from that, we came up with some priorities. Uh, definitely safety uh, is important. So ball control and lighting as it relates to uh, field one. Uh, accessibility uh, is obviously a baseline importance. Um, and so making those improvements in the core area. Uh, we knew at the start of this project, we wanted to renovate field four. Um, then the Mercer Park Pickleball, Mercer Park Tennis, uh, and the City Park Tennis. So not necessarily uh, in order uh, once we get around the circle here, but uh, obviously accessibility and safety are, are key first. So the proposed improvements at Mercer Park, uh, we've got an entry plaza as we come off the, the parking lot uh, that will help with gate control and give a little uh, nicer entrance feel. Uh, for for field number four, we're going to replace the fence, the backstop, uh, the dugouts, um, outfield fence, all of that. Uh, hopefully get some shade covers over the dugouts. Uh, we'll have new bleachers, new specter areas that are accessible with concrete paving. And we want to improve the, the grading and drainage. Uh, for field one, uh, we're hoping to include um, lighting improvements, uh, additional bleachers uh, with some shade over the main bleachers, which will also double as ball control. Um, and, uh, and then concrete to the spectator areas, uh, making sure we have good accessibility, uh, helping with the, the drainage there. And then we'd like to look at fields of one and four together from a grading and drainage standpoint and see if there's a way that we can improve the grading in field one as well. Uh, for the tennis, we're, we wanna reduce to two courts uh, and so we'll have the usual tennis uh, equipment, nets, posts, uh, new fencing, uh, new windscreen, we'll have a new uh, asphalt surface. We're in the process of getting our geotechnical, know exactly what, how we want to approach that asphalt surface um, uh, relatively soon. We want to get new color code, new striping, um, and that will include uh, a single pickleball overlay on the, on the tennis so that they could also be used for pickleball. Uh, and then we want to practice backboard. 
And then for pickleball, a very similar um, um, with all the uh, the, the um, amenities that belong to uh, to pickleball. And then at the core area, we want to rework the ramp and stairs. There's some uh, retaining walls that are um, failing in, the, in those areas. So we wanna work that uh, and uh, provide a new, new concrete core and a memorial area for the um, uh, coach that had passed away. Uh, and this is how the plan uh, is shaping up. Uh, this is, we'd say we're in design development, so plenty of room for tweaks and changes here. Um, but uh, broken it into a couple of sheets. Um, we've got a new entry uh, drop off here with a new access walkway uh, down the edge. Uh, we have shifted field four. You can see a little bit of the overlap, uh, a little bit to the north uh, to try to get um, a little more separation between the concession building and the left field fence. Uh, we'll have new uh, bleachers, um, spectator areas, uh, dugouts with um, you know concrete paving and uh, shade over them. Uh, and then we will make a um, uh, connection to the uh, existing kind of spectator area for field one. It's just a little bit off the page here. Um, and connection to the, um, the spectator area slash dugout structure there. Uh, and then with the pickle and tennis, we're going to bring new walkways that connect to both parking lots uh, that come down with a central aisle in between individual courts. Uh, this is what the pickleball team had requested. Um, so they have uh, you know full height fencing around the perimeter and then four foot uh, height fencing in the middle, mainly just to, uh, to keep the balls from running away on them. Um, so we've got two banks of those and then we have the tennis courts uh, down below generally hugging the same um, west edge as they were before, but the east edge is um, quite a bit contracted, uh, which gives us uh, much more space um, in between field four and the tennis pickleball area. And then with the core area, we'll uh, get a new uh, shade structure over the existing bleacher pocket here. Um, and this has actually gotten a little bit bigger since this drawing, but uh, right in that zone uh, and then we've got a space for memorial pavers uh, related to the, um, the coach that had passed away and then really just kind of connecting all of these spaces bringing good concrete access to the dugouts for accessibility uh, and making sure that the bleachers have good concrete access uh, we're showing a shelter here which uh, may be a future element um, but positioned in the the center of the paving there and just giving you a lot of space for flexibility good accessibility and hopefully deal uh, with the, the drainage and um, um, ADA challenges there. Uh, we have a new stairway here and a ramp that goes up to the concession uh, with a small uh, plaza that might have some tables and chairs for um, um, dining. So at City Park, uh, we're going to have six tennis courts, so we're going to match what's existing, have the same uh, cast of amenities here. Uh, and then we'll have a half-court basketball uh, with new surface, new standards, and then just some minor walkway adjustments. Um, this one is in the process of being surveyed as of this uh, presentation, and uh, but uh, we will look something similar to this. That's how, how it will look. And I think that takes us to uh, our wrap-up here. Uh, our schedule, uh, we've been working through design development um, into February. Um, 
and then we're in construction documentation now, um, working our way through, hopefully wrapping up in April, and then have kind of a, a late spring, early summer uh, bidding window, and potentially start uh, as early as July, uh, waiting for the um, uh, hopefully a super successful baseball season by the high school uh, team. And that is the end of the presentation. Uh, this point, if we were in person, I would love to off open it up to questions, but uh, I'm afraid you'll have to uh, give those to us in writing via email through Julie or Brad. Uh, but thanks for your time so much today and uh, uh, have a great day. So if you have any questions on it, I should be able to answer most things you may have. And then like you said, if there's some more specific questions, we can um, forward them on. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I thought I read somewhere that the city had put out bids for some um, bridge construction and nobody bid on them. So is, this, are, do we, is there a worry that the same thing would happen in this instance as well? And then she pushes back? Or? I don't think so. That's always a possibility. Um, but uh, I think there should be some interest with this. We've had interest on all of our other park projects. Um, if my memory serves me right, the bridge one might have had some other like state kind of things being it's uh, the highway route through town. Um, so sometimes that complicates things, but um, the hope would be we'll get some, some good bids for this. We've been getting, you know, multiple bids on our other projects. Good question though. And I think the time frame helps us out too. Um, it's kind of that second half of the, the season type of thing. So. I just had a question. The pickleball people wanted seating, and I remember one of them saying, "Like, oh, you got us a picnic bench. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. They're so excited about seating yep. little." So I didn't yep. know if you I didn't see if you mentioned seating for the. Yeah, there's board. opportunity to put seating in the aisle spaces. Okay. Um, and that was uh, one of the. You know, the aisles were most important to them, and then the seats are something that, whether they're in the actual plan or something we add after the um, fact, um, that's the perfect space for it. Okay, so there's a, yeah. you can put benches in. Yep, yeah, you can put them in there, and uh, um, they can watch either side, kind of, what's going on, so, um, and as you kind of saw from the plans, too, um, the way the fencing will be done with that is going to be a lot better for ball control of the pickleballs from rolling out to other courts. Um, and part of that's due to those aisles down the middle. So it'll cool. be a cool improvement. Um, so, and we added one, if you didn't notice, one pickleball um, to that, plus two more um, striped um, with the tennis courts. Mm -hmm. And then City Park um, only had half of them striped for tennis, mm -hmm. or for tennis and pickleball before. Now they will all have to be striped for both. So okay. um, we do pick up some extra courts in that way. Yeah. So. It was at City Park and some people were doing pickleball. Yeah. Um, okay. Definitely. Yeah, good question. Anything else I can answer on those? Um, we don't necessarily have to have a um, motion to kind of approve the way the plan's going, but if you feel that it's um, you know something you want to do, that's an option as well. Um, so I'll leave that up to you guys. I think I would decide that we do not need a motion. <laughs> 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 I think it's beautiful. And if you have any other questions on it, if you think of anything else, let us know or any comments on the, the process or anything. Um, 
we can pass those along to the consultants and everything because the plans aren't quite done yet, but uh, we're getting close with them. So. Looks like it's going to be great. All right, so next item is report on items from city staff. So I don't know if you have anything additional, Matt. I do not. And your just one thing for you, your summer plans are out, right? Your um, your rec uh, programming. Yeah, the rec program activity guide. If you ever see it, it's really nice. Um, we're kind of in, we outsourced it, so it's they did. She brought them, it's a great job. Um, summer registration actually begins April 18th. So okay. I'm looking forward to that. It should be a fun summer. Lots of special events in the parks. So. I guess you and I'm hiring. Gonna have enough people to staff at all? Um, maybe with customer service, plenty. Um, I think where we lack right now would be like day camp. Day camp. And I don't know if people want to work the full 40 hours a week dealing with kids as much, but those are what, what we're lacking the most right now. Okay. I think lifeguards are okay. Maybe some more swim instructors, but maybe we're just lacking some of Okay. Farmers market too. If you know anyone that's interested, so put those plugs out there for things on the park side. We're we're sitting pretty good with staff. We're um, if we're not full, um, we're within a couple of being full, and all of our staff for seasonal. So. Okay, so just farmers market and day camp. Yeah, I think those would be the the key areas. At the farmers market, what what will the staff do? Mm, do you know more specifics or specifics of what the farmers market staff does? I know they help the vendors. Um, it's, a, it's largely going to be helping like a lot of the setup uh, for the mornings and getting that kind of set up and tear down. So getting ready for the vendors to come in and do their own things. So a lot of like marking out and making sure that everyone's in the correct spots and such. Uh, there's also the table for uh, like the money exchange, the tokens, uh, just kind of making sure that everything's running smoothly with. So many vendors. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know. I yeah, and so for the vendors that are there every week, it's a little easier, but there's a cast of them that rotate through depending on the time of the season. So there's there's usually a new one um, fairly frequently. Do we know when the water at the dock parks is going to be turned on? Yep, it was turned on today at uh, um, at Thornberry, and the other one we have um, reseeded and aerated. Um, it took quite a bit of turf damage over the winter, um, so that one will be on by the time we get that open as well. So, okay. Yep. No, that's been a key question. So. Yeah, my dog was wondering. So. <laughs> yep. Okay. Cool. Thank you. And where can we get a Parks and Rec hat? These are like, uh, well, they ended up being a one-off because we all had the opportunity to, to get them ourselves, and I was the only one that, that uh, the, the oh, options. that's the one. That's the yeah. one. I've got three different colors, but um, that's the one. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I won't get one. I'll get to be in chairman. Okay, anything else on the reports? Uh, I can cover some of the parks uh, things, oh, yeah. so um, kind of jumping off with that other water in the other parks, um, so restrooms, um, almost all of those are on as of this week. Um, we've had quite a few questions about it. 
Um, typically, it's about the second week of April. We have to watch for the weather. Um, and if you remember, it wasn't that long ago we had about five inches of snow on a Saturday morning. So um, we have to try to balance that. And um, perception-wise, it's nice outside, so it's, it's always tough to um, a lot of people using the parks. So um, for about a week in every spring, we, we have people asking questions. Not all of the drinking fountains are on yet, but we're, uh, we're getting some of those going as well. Um, but most of the restrooms are on. We had a few with um, some just general winter um, repairs uh, that coming out of the winter that need to be done, but, but we're getting close on those. Um, we have quite a few uh, tree planting things this spring. So we have um, uh, three planting events or three and a half. Uh, you all will get in on a little bit of planting uh, at the next meeting. So, um, but we have, so that's at uh, James Allen McPherson Park. Um, we have one at uh, Napoleon Park at the softball fields in the parking area. And we have one at City Park. Um, so um, kind of spread out and kind of all around town. Um, we are close to having a contract all ready to go for the, the tree planting projects around town too. So ones you see along streets, um, staff plant some, but we do a larger contract as well. Um, so that's uh, um, a couple hundred, maybe not around 300 trees. I can't remember the exact number um, this year, but uh, those will be some good additions as well. Um, yes, what kind of type of trees do you guys plant generally? Yeah, good question. We plant uh, a lot of things. If it will grow here, we probably have it growing somewhere. Okay. Um, there's a lot more flexibility in a park than along a street because of space and other um, things. But um, we probably plant uh, fairly regularly 30 or more species. Okay. Um, so and then those, those are all spread out across the genus level as well, which is important because if you see um, ash trees dying, it's not just going after the green ash or the white ash or uh, blue or black or whatever the um, few other ones are around, but it's taking you know aim at all of those in the genus. So we don't just plant you know um, 15 different species of oaks and call it good, um, or 15 different species of maple. We we go and, and plant a little bit of everything. So cool. Thank good you. question. I didn't know that. Yep. Related to the tree plantings by the contractors, I feel yep. like from the last planting last year, there were a lot of little utility flags mm -hmm. that are still up. Oh, okay. Is that something that the contractors can remove those as soon as they're not needed? No, that's a good question. Education campaign to get them. Yep, I will make a note of that. Um, if they're, you know, if they're really paying attention, they should pull them when they're done. Um, uh, so. And you would think that homeowners would do it too, but yes. they may not. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, the homeowner might not know what project it was on. Yep. So um, no, that's a good point. I will, I will make that note for them. It'll be the same. Um, most likely the um, same uh, types of crews as last year um, on that project. So, um, yeah, um, should be uh, should see a lot of new trees. So. Um, trying to think uh, other main things. Um, uh, we continue to work on the single track uh, um, off-road um, bike trail system. Um, we've really started to pick up some speed on that this spring. Um, that'll be in the Turtle Mill Park area. Um, 
and uh, it just getting ready for general start of things. So we haven't mowed yet, uh, but uh, um, we're getting ready. Um, we've had a lot of um, athletic fields um, events going, um, so um, that's been been good to see um, people back out using the athletic fields again. Soccer kicker starts. I believe uh, the next week or two here, um, so a lot more use down at soccer when that happens as well. Um, so, yeah, any other questions for me on any of the park side of things? Are there any more plans to convert prairie and grass? Mm -hmm. Question. Uh, some small pieces as we go, probably, or some enhancements to some that we have recently established. There's some areas that we just need to go in and, and enhance some. Um, not everything pops up the way we'd like right away. Um, I did have a request from someone who lives over by Scott Park um, to do the other side of where the dam is. The road's kind of the dam there. Um, so little pieces like that. Um, uh, but for the larger areas, um, I think we've covered quite a few of those recently. So, but if anyone has suggestions on spots, we're always, always open to that. And, um, we'll work with uh, the neighborhood um, on that as well. Yep. Good question. Anything else for us? Um, one more thing that um, I should bring up that uh, was the last um, item for um, the packet um, that was sent out today. The is it IDI is that the um, name of the yep. So the printout there, um, just want to draw your attention to that. Um, it really fits in well with what Megan was presenting about. Um, and uh, um, everyone knowing our own um, biases and, and things like that. So um, if you are interested in um, taking part in that, um, the date has been extended to the 19th. So um, the date that was uh, written in there um, is, has been extended. Um, but just uh, um, reach out on that if you are um, interested. I know um, Julie, myself, and Gabe will be taking part in that, um, and that just gives a little bit better um, uh, guidance on what it is um, in the memorandum there. So um, I'll put a plug in for that. So it's like, an, it's like a training. Yeah, it's, it's like a self-assessment. Self and then after the assessment, um, before you get your results, there's a debrief with um, a member of the company that is um, uh, contracted to do that. And that's the only person that your info um, gets shared with. Um, but they, they explain to you kind of your results and, and what that may mean or work with you on um, understanding kind of um, uh, the results of, of that. Uh, like some biases we may have that we're not aware of. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. So the, um, uh, you know, one of the other commissions, the Human Rights Commission, um, took uh, uh, part in it and they found it valuable, so they suggested other commissions. Um, it'd be made available to them. So that's kind of where it started at. Yep. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so any more questions for Tyler? Do you have anything for a, a vice chair's report, I guess? <laughs> guys, you're so far so good. Uh, feeling the love. No. <laughs> it's been really exciting so far. It's 10 out of 10.
Okay. And then uh, item number 10, commission time, suggestions for future agenda items. Okay, so we'll start with uh, Commissioner Missy. Do you have any uh, suggestions for future agenda items? I think I have no comments. Thank you. Um, no future agenda items, but I just want to invite everybody to the South District Neighborhood Association's annual team up to clean up event coming up in a couple of weeks on Sunday, April 23rd. Um, it's just an event where a neighborhood comes together to pick up trash, they kind of refresh the flower beds along Broadway Street, they do some work in the, in the forest at Weatherby Park and various other things. So come or promote it or aware that it's going on? What time does that start? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. And if you can't get enough with that, you can uh, um, come over to tree planting at Napoleon Park afterwards. So um, the Rotary is, Rotary is volunteering with that, so they usually have quite a few volunteers. But if you're interested, um, I'm sure they would be willing to um, have some commission members as well. So lots of stuff happening on the south side. What's the meeting for the cleanup? It's at, um, there's a Facebook event, and I think that It's, I'm not super clear on everything, but Backyard Abundance has it at Weatherby Park. It's just, I think there's fruit trees and various oh, other vegetation okay. that people like are free to Yeah, anyone can go forage and pick from it. Um, if you go into Weatherby to the parking lot and go towards the right, um, it's in a, a space kind of um, as you go in there. We have a motion to adjourn the meeting. No. Oh, sorry. Oh, do you have anything to add, boys? <laughs> I could add it, but I probably won't be here next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, do we have a motion to adjourn this meeting? We do. Okay, got it. A second for that motion? I'll second. So all in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, motion carries. We're done.